to get acquainted with you, to say a couple of things about myself, about my coming into the OPC, and then we'll get into the subject of Christian education. We're going to deal with Christian education until we close camp on Friday, and uh, hopefully there will be a lot of uh, things that will interest you. Hopefully you'll stay awake most of the time, and if I see you doze off, I'll ask you a question. I am by training a teacher, I'll, and I see at least two of my former students sitting right here in this group. Loretta would like a test at the end of the week. She would. Loretta would. <laughs> Jay loved, Jay and Loretta Fluck were students of mine back at Dort College before the flood. <laughs> the, the great flood in Iowa occurred in 92, I think it was. It was well before that. Uh, so I have known them for a long time. I have met some of the other pastors at General Assembly last week, and some of them that are not here told me that they will be coming to drop in a day or two, the middle or toward the end of the week. So I look forward to that. Let me say that... I have been a member of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church now for just about three years. I grew up, was born and raised in that denomination with which we suspended ecclesiastical fellowship last week. You probably understand that's the Christian Reformed Church. And uh, I voted for suspending that ecclesiastical fellowship. I think it was necessary. It's sad, but it's necessary. When you come into a new denomination that you have only known just partially, very superficially, you always wonder, you know, did you make the right choice? Did you really make a wise decision back there in 93 when you said goodbye to your old church, the one that had been your mother, and you said, I want to be part of another denomination that I think is more true to the Word of God. I and my good wife, Wilma, went through that kind of process. The church that I pastor back in Covenant, in Covenant Orthodox Presbyterian Church back in Palos Heights is mostly made up of people who have come out of the Christian Reformed denomination. And they, too have really wondered, did they make the right decision? Is the OPC a good place to land, to call home? Just Saturday, we interviewed a family for membership with eight children, three of whom made profession of faith on Saturday afternoon. They had been worshiping with us since last December, faithfully, every Sunday morning and every Sunday evening. And I asked them Saturday, what took you so long? <laughs> you worshipped with us, you partook communion with us, and it took you six months to get your papers transferred? And their answer was, we really didn't know anything about the OPC, and we didn't know if we could ever be comfortable in that denomination. 
But we've come to the conclusion that yes, we can. Yep. But last week, I was confirmed 110% in the choices that Wilm and I made. General Assembly is a very interesting, a very draining experience. There's a lot of time. We spent 84 or 85 hours in session, according to my account. And some of the rules are a bit strange. The way you do things in the OPC uh, takes a little while to get used to. But to be there for seven days with 150 men packed into a room singing from the bottom of their souls praises to God and then making the kind of decisions that were made last week based on the scriptures this is what God's word says and this cannot be tolerated God will not allow us to think and teach that way it made me extremely grateful to be a part of the OPC so I'm, I'm happy to be here this week. I look forward to being with you, to sharing some of the things of Christian education. Let me say a couple of other things so you have a little bit more background. There is some false information afoot. It happens in this fallen world where we have total depravity. Never, you get, nothing ever comes out perfect. And somehow, between Larry and myself, or Jay and myself, we got a little bit of information goofed up. I am no longer a faculty member at Trinity Christian College. There is no way in the world I could be a full-time professor and a pastor. Because being a pastor takes about 150% of your time. I do teach a little bit at Mid-America Seminary. I'm also an adjunct faculty member at Covenant College down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But my work is basically pastor of Covenant Church. And I, uh, I've been a professor most of my life. I'm enjoying the pastorate immensely. God is blessing us richly, and uh, I'm really happy that I finally got into the ministry. Now, <clears throat> enough about myself. Let me say something about style. I can lecture to you. Where did the voice go? <laughs> not my style. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed already. But I don't want to just stand up here and lecture to you all the time. Sometimes it will be necessary for me to outline things and to lay things out. But I really want to get you involved in the discussion and in the dialogue. I want tonight, for example, to talk about the meaning of the word education. And I don't want to just bombard you with a bunch of verbiage. I want to get you involved in the dialogue, and I don't know how we can do that as far as the, the tapes are concerned, but that's not really, 
if the tapes have gaps in them because they're not picking up your questions and so, uh, then don't... I can repeat it. Yeah. That would be one way to certainly help. If you ask a question or if I prompt you to give an answer to one of my questions, and then I will repeat it so that it will pick up on the mic and uh, hopefully we'll have some tapes that will be uh, intelligible and practical. I also want to simply call your attention to the booklets that you've gotten and to have you note in there that I'm going to follow the outlines that I've given to the committee. Our very first session this evening is what we have on page one. And I've written some questions out that will direct our discussion. And then I hope you take the time to put some notes in there. So you can come back later on and say, here are some ideas, here are some thoughts, here are some answers to these kinds of questions. And hopefully they will be valuable to you in the future. I want to also make a couple of things very clear at the outset so that you don't wonder. I am and always have been, by the grace of God, deeply committed to understanding education on the basis of the Bible. I am firmly committed to the idea that God's Word is authoritative for all of life. I don't care what part of life you're talking about. God's Word has basic principles, guidelines that govern our thinking, that direct our thoughts, and should govern our actions. What I will do occasionally in the course of the week in order to keep you awake to keep you from drowsing or dozing off I may once in a while play the devil's advocate Jay and Loretta probably remember that uh, I may suddenly without warning start talking like the devil I, I did that once with our young people at Covenant Church. And this one young fellow who was a 10th grader in high school, who wasn't really convinced at all that his family should have come out of the CRC and come to the OPC, said to his dad afterwards, See, I told you it was a devilish outfit. <laughs> <laughs> but I got his attention, and uh, he's happily a member now. I'll... I want to challenge you to think this week, to think principally about education. And I hope that I can make everybody, I don't care if you're as old as I am and if you're as young as you folks here, I hope that all of you can think about Christian education. Now, I have given a title to this booklet. Some of you, let's see what's, uh, we got uh, Sarah. Sarah Tuggy, you have, can you read the cover of the book? Show her the, uh, the cover one. It says my name there, Dr. Norman D. Young, on, what is that next word? Very good. You've had phonics, right? <laughs> what's the next one, uh, Galen? Galen can read it. What's the next word? Uh, 
pedagogy. Transformational pedagogy. Wow, nice long crazy handle, right, Rachel? No, no, no. That's that's very deliberate. I deliberately choose that word because of one passage in the scripture that I have used as probably the one verse that has given me more direction, more meaning than any other part of the Bible. When you think about education, from now on, I hope that that verse will come to mind. Anybody want to guess which verse that might be that uh, leads me to put a title like Transformational Pedagogy? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Amen. Turn to that a minute. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let me just remind you here that the Apostle Paul has been outlining all of the basic doctrines of Christianity. What Paul has been doing in this letter to the Romans is taking the basic doctrines of creation, the doctrines of sin, the doctrines of justification, the doctrines of predestination, and he's giving us a summary of all those basic doctrines. And then he gets through with summarizing those, and he says, therefore, in the light of all of those teachings of God, this is what you must do. This is the very first application of the gospel. And let me read those two verses for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, and we can add sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is saying there, don't imitate the world around you. That's easy to do. Imitating the world around us is simple as falling off a log. Imitating the world around us is like getting in a canoe and going downstream. You just go rolling along and you'll crash into the banks and you may tip over, but it's no work at all. But Paul says, don't do that. Don't imitate the world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What he's saying is that you and I have to be made over. To transform is to take someone that is defective, something that's all fouled up, and to rebuild it, to remake it completely, trans 
like in transcontinental, it means across, all the way across. You have to be formed over again. Let me put it in a different way, one that will probably stick in your craw a little bit. You know what that means, to stick in your craw? It, it sort of sticks there in your memory and you can't get it out. What Paul is saying is that all of us, me and all of you, have to be changed. We have to be changed. What I'm going to suggest and what I'm doing with this title, and it's very deliberate, is saying that when we think about education, we have to consciously, biblically think about changing people. Let me just project a little bit ahead. Suppose that I say to Bob Lee, I don't know you, Bob, from Adam. I just see your name there. But I say, okay, Bob, I'm going to start out with the assumption that if I'm going to educate you, I have to change you. You must be changed. What's your reaction going to be? Say, oh, quick, please change me. Here I am. <laughs> change me. Is that what you're going to do? No, I'm going to think I'm already educated. You have to be changed. Aha! That's right. You, you're a smart man. You catch on quickly. What I'm going to suggest during the course of the week, and I'm giving you just a little foretaste of some of the things I'm going to be talking about, is that if we're talking about changing particularly kids, ooh, they're going to resist. They aren't going to just say, Amen, Dad. Amen, Teacher. Do whatever you want to me. They're going to think of ways to skip school. They're going to think of ways to get out of that homeschooling class. They're going to do, want to do things that are fun instead of things that might not be so much fun. Right? Oh, yeah. When we get to that, I'll tell you some stories about Augustine. St. Augustine <coughs> used to hate school. Parts of school. He loved parts of it, too. But there were parts of it that he just couldn't stand. We're not going to talk so much this week about methods. I'm not going to give you four different methods of teaching phonetic reading or how to teach speed reading or give you six different techniques for teaching arithmetic skills. That's something that, that's legitimate. But you're going to have to look elsewhere if you're going to try to find those kinds of techniques. I want to deal in bigger issues, in broader issues that cover some fundamental questions that help us to understand the difference between Christian education and non-Christian education. Now, the first thing that we want to do, where we want to focus tonight for the time that's left, is on a definition 
of education. That very first outline asks some questions. I trust you all like to read dictionaries. No? Some people do. A dictionary is a very important tool. If you don't have one in the house, get one. There are good dictionaries and there are bad dictionaries, but you should have a dictionary around. Because so often it's important that we define the terms that we use. When I talk about education, I have a certain kind of meaning. I, I pack that word with a lot of ideas. And let me say that a while ago, the voice... Did the voice ever come back? Oh, yes, he's back. <laughs> the voice asked how many of you were involved in Christian education and some of you didn't raise your hand everybody in this room should have raised their hand you want to try it again how many of you are not involved in Christian education. <laughs> You're not involved in Christian education. How are you defining education? Ah. I won't put you on the spot. But education is a term that is used constantly in our society. It's used in a very narrow kind of way that is not very thoughtful and I must say that is basically secular. In other words, the word education has come to have its meaning apart from God. Most people do not define the term education in relationship to God. They always want to define it in terms of school. So I asked that question right away. Are education and schooling the same thing? Suppose that I have somebody here. Maybe there is somebody. Is there anyone here in the audience who has never been to school? Everybody's been to school. Even the young children. You've all been to school. Well, not all. You're too young. So, he, he hasn't been to school yet. Okay. I'll, there's another one back there. Good. You haven't been to school yet. So you... Most of the time, children don't go to school until they're five, maybe six... A lot of times states will say they don't have to go to school until they're seven. Uh, but suppose you never went to school. Would you be educated? Oh, yes? 
But how would? Yeah, I think you would because I, I think school education includes schooling. Education is educating all your life. When you travel, you educate, you learn something that's good. So you don't have to go to school to get an education? No. No. Be careful what you say. Your kids may say, well, Dad, I don't have to go. <laughs> They're through. They're through. <laughs> <laughs> We've got an education. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I have met some very interesting people in my life that have forced me to think about this. One person that comes to mind is a fellow who had just retired from the railroad. He had been a conductor. He had worked on, I think it was the, the Great Northern Railroad. I met him on a train trip between Chicago and Bozeman, Montana, back in the 60s when I was principal of Christian School in Montana. Wilma and I and the kids were traveling back. And here's this conductor who had been riding the trains all of his life. And I got into a little discussion with him. I was, after all, you know, college educated. I had a master's degree in history, and I had been teaching school. I was now a principal. I thought myself pretty well educated. Somehow I got into a discussion on the train with this man about Russia. And uh, I had been reading a couple of articles, and I, and I found out that this man had information at his fingertips that was just incredible and pretty soon uh, we got into a discussion about the brothers Karamazov one of these novels and uh, Dr. Shivago and uh, wow this man put me to shame he hadn't been to school but then I started asking him questions he had a library in his home that occupied most of the main floor the guy read like a ravenous bulldog. Every book he could get his hands on. Was he educated? Oh, you bet he was. I've met a number of people like that. I've met people who have only been in school, in formal school, for five or six years. My father, who died a couple of years ago, had only gone through the sixth grade extremely well educated in very important matters. He loved to read. He loved to study. He loved to discuss. He didn't think he was educated. He wouldn't say, oh, you know, I'm educated. I would say to him, yes, you are, Dad. You are very well educated. And then once he caught on to it, then he said, well, I must have a degree just like you do. So he would sign his name when he would write us letters. Says, Henry DeYoung, P.F. <laughs> he knew that my Ph.D. meant piled higher and deeper. <laughs> Finally, I said, what's P.F., Dad? He says, a professional farmer. <laughs> we often think that schooling is essential to education. And we have said throughout our culture for the last decades that you must go to school because you can only get an education if you go to school. Thankfully, over the last 20 years, a lot of parents 
have challenged that and said, I think that our kids can get a better education at home. I think that they'll get a better education if they don't go to school. And gradually, our officials are coming to recognize there's truth in that. When we talk about education, let me just make one basic kind of distinction. Uh-oh, I'm going to need a better marker than that, I think. Is that going to, uh, can you see that back there? We're going to have to work on improving the quality of this. There's a basic distinction that we have to recognize. Actually, a very simple one. We can talk about formal education and informal education. Both of them are involving education. Schooling is formal education. Things that you learn outside of school are not formal, or we call them informal education. I learned as much in the dormitory room when I was in college, shooting the bull with my buddies, as I did in the classrooms with the professors. I have learned more about education over the years outside of school than I have in school. A lot of people aren't willing to recognize that. They're still saying, you must go to school, and if you don't, we're going to bring the whole force of the law upon you, and we're going to drag you kicking and screaming to school because you must go there. And I would say, no. The important thing is that you get an education. The important thing is that you learn what you ought to be learning. You can learn anything outside of school. You don't have to go to school. But there are some benefits to going to school. I'm not going to kick all the schools out. I'm not going to close the schools down. Don't get me wrong. Why do we have schools? When we talk about formal education, what we're doing is saying that we want to structure schools so that your education formally is structured into blocks and segments. You get there at 8.30 in the morning or 8 o'clock, whatever time you start, and you have Bible class for the first 45 minutes. And then you break it off, and then you have English class for 45. And then you have history, and then you have science, and then you have 
other subjects. And you go from 8.30 until 3.30, whatever. And you go for nine months or 10 months out of the year. It's all form, it's all structure. That's not essential. I can learn to read. In fact, a lot of children learn to read before they go to school. You don't have to go to school to read. It's very possible that you can learn it outside of school. A lot of parents don't push that, don't emphasize that, so they say, you know, you'll learn to read when you get to school. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Just because you go to school is no guarantee you're going to learn to read. When you structure things, you have the opportunity to speed up the process. One of the things that we do when we organize formal schools is speed up the process so that we can learn faster. Our culture, our society is so concerned about time, about speed. You have to get through all of these kinds of things before you are 16 years of age. And the most important thing in life for high school kids is to learn how to drive by the time they're 16 years in one day. Is that what the license is in California? 16? You must learn how to drive by the time you're 16 because you need to have your own wheels. No, you don't have to. That's just the way we normally do things. There are many kinds of things that we learn better outside of school. I have become, in the last couple of years, a very strong defender of home schools. Most academic material can be learned faster with a mother and children in a kitchen than they can be learned in a traditional classroom. Not everyone, and I'm not saying everybody ought to be homeschooling, but you can learn an awful lot with just a mother and a couple of children sitting down and it doesn't have to be terribly formal. You may do it in a more casual kind of atmosphere. Just a sidelight. One of the things that happens in school is that kids learn an awful lot of bad habits and bad ideas. Now, they can also learn bad habits and bad ideas at home. You don't have to go one place or the other to learn bad things. When we're going to define education, it's not only a matter of talking about formal. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's more. I just learned something. <laughs> Somewhere on here, it must say permanent. No, it doesn't. It says wipes off easily. <laughs> yeah. There's something else at work here which I don't understand. I'll let me get rid of that one. 
Where are my other ones here? Let me try something else here. New math. Two plus two equals five. I want to... No? But I want to also learn how to spell. Okay? Did I spell that right? No? Suppose I learn something wrong, like 2 plus 2 equals 5. You, you think that's wrong, right, Galen? You think so? You sure? What about spell? Is that right? Are you a German? <laughs> uh, Germans always slip C's in there. Spell? <laughs> spell. I'll, if I learn something wrong, am I getting an education? Yeah? Or suppose... What? A wrong kind of education. But I'm getting educated nonetheless. Suppose that I go to school and I learn that communism is really the ideal kind of governmental structure. We got some of those folks around the University of Santa Barbara yet maybe, or University of California. Uh, and I also go to school and I learn that uh, it took 14.6 billion years for all these creatures to evolve and uh, gradually we became people out of, and I learned that and I believe that's gospel truth. Did I get an education? Really? If, if I learn something that's wrong, am I still getting an education? Not really. Does it have, does it have to be true in order to be educational? Is it possible to have true education and also have false education? Yeah. Which do our schools specialize in? That's a loaded question. Sometimes I think they specialize in the false. If you're going to go to school and get an education, you better be careful what you learn. An awful lot of schools, an awful lot of teachers will teach you falsehood. How are you going to learn the difference? How are you going to learn the difference? How are you going to be able to discriminate, be able to judge, or be able to discern between true education and false education? What? Who's been teaching you, young man? <laughs> your mom? Where's your mom? I gotta talk to her. Oh, oh. You're doing a good job. Keep it up. 
Yeah, that's, that's one of the things I want to really emphasize this week. We are involved in a world that is at war. There are always competing ideas. And one of the things that we're going to have to learn is how to discern, to distinguish between truth and falsehood. And let me just say up front, the only tool I know of that'll work is this one. Now, don't, don't say, well, let's see what's, if we can figure out from the Bible why 2 plus 2 is not 5, or why spell doesn't have a C in there. Uh, don't misuse this good book. You have to learn how to use it carefully, properly. But basically, that is the tool that you're going to have to use. Later on this week, we're going to spend some time doing some practice, some exercises in discernment. And I will play devil's advocate. We're going to spend one evening, the Lord willing, on a practice lesson on dealing with evolution and uh, hopefully develop some skills so that our children can begin to discriminate and learn how to tell the difference. Let me call attention to a couple of other things. That second question is one I haven't touched on. What kinds of schools do we find in our culture? Do all of them educate or do some only train? Normally what happens is this. If you're thinking about education, you will think first of all in terms of the elementary school down the street in your town. And then you might think about the middle school. And then you might think about the high school. And then you think about the college, maybe junior college in there, four-year liberal arts college, a university. And you say, ah, those are all different kinds of schools. And then if you're perceptive, you might say, oh, yes, right. But there are different kinds of elementary schools. There are CSI schools, like the one in Bellflower. <coughs> there are ACSI schools, like the one in Whittier. There are Catholic schools. There are Lutheran schools. There are Islamic schools. Jewish schools. You go on down, there are a lot of Baptist schools that are started. There are parochial schools. There are church-sponsored, church-controlled. But even when you've gone through that whole range, and they're all schools that emphasize formal education, don't stop there. How many other schools can you think of? You just think once, think about your communities in which you live. What other kinds of schools, formal schools, are there in your communities that you've spotted? Trade school. What kind of trade school? All different types. All different types. Uh, carpentry, welding, auto body, mechanics. Okay, trade schools. Language. What? Language. Language schools, like uh, Berlitz schools. Oh, right. English language for for uh, 
aliens coming in. Second language, yes. Oh, free schools, of course. Martial arts. Martial arts? Who, who's taking martial arts? Martial arts schools. Okay. There are a lot of others yet. Dance schools. Gymnastic schools. Back there. What? Oh, that's the school he's going to. Okay. Cooking schools, culinary schools, uh, beauty schools, seminaries, nurses, architectural schools, dance schools, bartending schools, how to learn to be a bartender, taxidermy schools, where you learn how to skin a cat, <laughs> truck driving schools, sure, where you learn to be a truck driver, fishing schools, where you learn how to catch trout. Tennis schools where you learn how to play. May I interrupt a minute? Tom and I took our rackets along, and we're hoping to find somebody that has tennis rackets that will challenge us tomorrow afternoon. Anybody? Got some takers? Okay. That was that. That's not on tape. <laughs> I also think you could add to that surfing schools. Could you go down to Huntington Beach and sign up for classes? There are computer schools. <laughs> the School of Hard Knocks. We've pretty much all gone there. Uh, we come into this life as babies. We're not very skilled. We don't know much. There's all kinds of things that we can possibly learn. Now you're going to have to start asking do all of those educate? Can I say if I go to a beauty school that I'm getting an education? Oh no, that's, that's not near like going to college. If I go to law school, now that's an education, right? But if I only go to welding school, that's not education. That's mere training. If I go to farming school to learn how to be a farmer. That's not education. I'm trying to provoke you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got somebody. Yes. That's right. I haven't come close to it yet. Let me just complicate it a little bit more. I'm not going to necessarily give you nice, neat answers. I have some in my bag. But if I talk about education, is that something that I do? Is that a process that I go through? Or is it something I get? Is it something I acquire? Or is it both? 
if I say that my definition of education has to include in its parameters both formal schooling, formal learning, and non-formal learning, and if I say that it has to include true learning, but also has to include false learning, and if I say that it has to include all of these different kinds of learning, if it includes process that I go through, I am educating myself or I'm getting educated, and I get an education, it's something that I get as a conclusion to the process, I've taken all of those things now, and I've said they all have to be part of an essential part of what I mean by education. Now can we begin to define? Now can I begin to put a definition together? Let me give you one. And jot it down and chew on it. You may come back tomorrow and say, it doesn't make any sense to me. <coughs> Maybe you won't. Maybe it'll uh, resonate with you. This is a definition that I formulated years ago, which I still think has some validity to it. Education is the recreation and redevelopment of the true understandings and relationships between God and man between man and fellow man and between man and the universe in which he lives. Let me run that by you again. Education I define as the recreation and redevelopment of the true understandings and relationships between God and man, between man and his fellow man, and between man and the universe. Let me just say also, when I make that kind of definition, I am saying that those kinds of things can, do, and should begin right after we're born. You don't wait with an education until you get to be five years old. You start teaching your children as soon as they're capable of learning. And my education is still going on. And my education will continue until the day I die. My education will only be complete when I stand at the gates of heaven. John Dewey, who was a pagan, who had no use for the church, who had no use for Jesus Christ, was wrong on many, many, many things. But he knew that education had to include all of life. 
It begins when you're born, and it continues right through to the day you die. In fact, I think it's perfected and completed in eternity. I don't care if you're 90 years old. You still can learn. You still will learn. God is teaching us. He's teaching me all the time. Let me say, too, in conclusion, that education ought to be true. It ought to be true. If we knowingly, consciously engage in false education, we are fools. And that we don't want to be. We're going to look tomorrow morning at that second subject, which is about philosophy. That's even worse. <laughs> Do we even dare to talk about it? For right now, I think that's enough. For you to chew one, yeah, I think it's time for refreshments. I, as far as I could tell, everybody stayed awake except for the possibility of the voice who may have taken a nap when he was outside for a brief time. <laughs> Thank you.